Okay, welcome to episode 13 of Running Matters. I'm here with Brendan Davies. Welcome, Brendan. How are you going? I'm well, Matt. Thank you for having me. It's no, exciting. No problem. We're at the uh, Oriental Hotel. Yes, the Ori. Ori yeah. at Springwood. And uh, it's pretty funny how this interview came about. I bumped into you only about four days ago up in the mountains yeah. and uh, saw you at the end of the run and uh, said, any chance we'd catch up for a, uh, a podcast? And I actually said to you, why don't we do a coffee? I'll come up to you <laughs> your way and have a coffee. And you go, stuff, why don't we have a beer? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so I knew this was, uh, was going to work out, you know? Much more civilised. Much more civilised, <laughs> yeah, having a beer, particularly on, what is it, 32 no, degrees no. outside? Yeah. And, uh, and then hopefully um, I can influence you with some of these uh, filter beers that I've, that I've brought so you can try a few of those out. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, I had uh, one, of your, one of these on the weekend at my mate's 40th on tap. Yep, the XBA. Yeah, down at a pub in um, Penrith and they serve it in, you know, the proper, proper handled pint glasses and everything. So, yeah, it was a really nice drop. Yeah, so, it's a yeah. nice beer. Yeah, so hopefully... Um, you, you like the uh, the IPA and, and the red, the session ale as well. So uh, I'll look forward to your, your feedback. It won't be too hard, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be, won't be a tough one. No. So um, tell us, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested after seeing you running on, on Sunday. How often do you go up and do that run from Megalong Valley Road up to the Peluvian back? I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a great little... Zone. It is, yeah. So I try to cover the whole course over probably six or seven sessions out there and I'll do that mega long mega they call it probably three out of the, three or four times the other ones I'll start at the tree and go to the river a couple of times and then I'll do the back end of the course once as well um, it's a bit harder to get out there but yeah so I do that with my squad as well so yeah prepare them at the same time pretty hard for them to get lost out there so although it's happened <laughs> out and back yeah yeah. Uh, um, still doing a, a weekly long run. Is that, is oh, that yeah. your schedule? At, at Just... least, yeah, definitely. Yeah. One, at least one, maybe two most weeks. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you fit in a um, like a midweek long run and then uh, you know end a week long run? Yeah, that's generally how I do it. Wednesday morning, it's usually a faster one on, on road or something about twenty twenty five k. Sometimes it's broken up over a couple of sessions, but usually I like to get out in the morning and get it done. We have a little squad um, amongst the more high-performing athletes in my group, and we call it, well, we used to call it the Kenyan Long Run, but now we just call it Long Run Wednesday. It's a bit more, yeah, um, politically correct, I guess. Um, but yeah, we usually just run around the regatta or the river down at Penrith, try to keep it flat, or on the trail around Glenbrook where it's a bit flatter, so you can just get a good rhythm up and not have to worry about elevation all that kind of stuff because it's in between say Tuesday and Thursday which are my harder sessions so I don't want it to be a session that's too hard yeah so you're still doing two sessions a week um what do you mean uh, workout types yeah, yeah yeah high intensity yeah that's that's usually the case yeah so Tuesday and Thursday so this morning I did a, a track session and then on Tuesday, I usually do like a strength-based session, so hill reps or, or, or a fart leg over hills or a tempo run, yeah, that kind of thing. And then uh, I guess you could call Saturday almost a session like because sometimes I'll get out to do threshold-y type work, um, like yeah, maybe a park run with a, another hard 5K afterwards or something like that. So, yeah, yeah but generally two, two hard workouts a week, yeah. And what's your long run? Do you, have, do you, do you aim for uh, Ks or time on your feet? 
Um, definitely if I'm tra- training up for a road ultra or a marathon, it's K's. It's uh, more about the pace and sticking on that pace. But with trail running, it's more about just whatever I feel like. It's it's um, generally a, a gradual build-up, but I also facet in, yeah, take into account the uh, elevation and that kind of thing. So, But, yeah, anything from 35 to 45 is usually my long run. Yep. Yeah. How many Ks are you um, ticking over currently at, you know, weekly Ks? Yeah, so I'm about a month out now from my first big race of the year, so I'm kind of like just getting towards the end of my peak volume, so 160 to 180 K a week, I'd say, yeah. Yep. And what distance is that race you got coming up? Uh, it's meant to be 100 K, um, it's called the Fast 100 um, over in Hong Kong, it's a new race, but I just got an email a couple of weeks ago, or last week actually, and the organisers um, are struggling to get the overnight permission, um, so the residents kicked up a fuss about the noise at the start-finish, so they might have to turn it into a 50-mile race, which probably will serve me better anyway, given that six foot's only, like, three weeks later. So, yeah, 50 miles, I've often come to that point in a 100k race and gone, yeah, I'd like to finish now, and um, there should be more of these in Australia, but... Unfortunately, we're not under that kind of imperial measurement system anymore, so we tend to go to hundreds, which is... So, yeah, I don't mind a 50-miler, but I think it'll play into the other guy's strength a bit more as well, like yeah. Jim Wormsley and Rob Carr, like they're both on down to run it, so they're pretty fast guys. Yeah. So can you, do you sleep thinking about racing against Jim Wormsley? Uh, no, not really. Like He's such a hit-or-miss type runner, so he'll either smash the smash at the bits or, or blow him up blow up so I'm not really like I, I, I'm not really expecting to see him at all in the race except for the first 10 metres of the of the race kind of thing but yeah I think Rob Pryor's a bit more cagey he's a smarter runner he's my age so he's kind of been around a bit so I think we're kind of more likely just to stay back and if I can kind of keep Rob within like uh, I don't know half an hour I'll be pretty happy yeah, um, last time we raced in Western States you know we were both on our pretty much um game race we were, we were on that game that day and he finished an hour ahead of me so yeah, if we're both in that similar kind of shape I'm guessing about a hun- half an hour he'll, he'll get me by yeah. Yeah. so is the goal to podium finish? Hopefully I mean it's a, it's a strong field and you never really have that as your aim because um, I'm much more process driven in my running so as long as I look after myself out there and, and run my own race and and just be smart in my execution, the, the result will, will sort itself out in the end. And if, you know, a couple of guys get in front of me or three or four, who cares? It, it's not really, like, much I can do about that. Yeah, yeah. just wheel them in later. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so um, a bit about yourself. Um, you, you're currently living at Woodford. Tell, yeah. us, tell us where you grew up. So I grew up in Cogra, so in St George Dragons Territory. What yeah. school did you go to? I went to Cogra Public and then Sydney Technical High School, an all-boys school. So I had a pretty sheltered like, uh, you know, upbringing, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, from there I went to um, Macquarie Uni for a couple of years and then I transferred down to Wollongong and uh, lived in Bundina for like three or four years, or maybe, no, it was only maybe two years, I think, and studied at um, Western Sydney Uni, did my teaching degree. Oh, first of all, finished my arts degree at Wollongong, then went to Western Sydney, did my uh, teaching degree, and then we moved out of there and yeah, moved to kind of Strathfield area and um, started teaching um, in Mount Druitt, 
and that, yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. Cool. So, what do you remember what year you moved up to Woodford? Woodford. Um, so, 2000 and, um, uh, oh gosh, yeah, good question. 2008, I believe, I did my Masters at Sydney Uni and I got an appointment in, in Mount Druid after that. So, we looked to find our first home and that's when we moved. So, we'd be 2009, so I've lived there almost nine years now, ten years, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you're a bit of a, um, a late starter to the, the running scene, like most people sort of grow up, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you, you were doing fun runs, city to surf, and, yeah. and stuff like that, um, but you didn't really start getting competitive to you sort of late 20s, uh, oh, 30. Yeah, and, 30 actually. Yeah. yeah, I was more into like team sports when I was younger, so cricket and soccer and, and then uh, just normal life stuff got in the way in my early 20s and as you do you just you just become a bit of a, um, a slave to the work and then you, you party hard on the weekends and yeah so that kind of was most of my 20s I still played squash and a couple of other little things just socially but not competitively really and then, yeah, once I turned 30, I decided to make a bit of a change in life, as I think a lot of people do, and wisened up a bit. And I just started running to lose weight, actually. And then uh, the bug bite bit me pretty hard, you know, as it does to most runners, and uh, just started to really like the sport because it was something I, you know, I don't mind being by myself. And, and um, yeah, you have kind of full control over your own performance, I guess. And and how you train and um, it's real interesting kind of sport it's full of nuances and subtleties and I like that and so yeah a lot of people do it it's therapeutic so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people go out just to clear their mind yeah and, definitely, um, yeah, definitely and get the so. endorphins and yeah. feel better better way to start the day absolutely um, so when you moved to the mountains you joined the Woodstock Runners no that was before yeah. That was when I was still living in Strathfield. They were they're based in Burwood. So oh, okay. yeah. yeah, so I, I, they were my first kind of running club, and they're just really a community running club. Um, but yeah, I learned so much from those guys who've been around, and that's how I started like fun running and stuff. Just yeah. just getting into local little events and road running and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I only took up trail running as a trail running wasn't even a thing back then. It was just like. <laughs> you doing a run on oh, it's in the bush no one even used to call it trail running it's yeah. strange how that sport has evolved in the last six years it's just boomed yeah you know? amazing yeah um so i believe your first trail marathon was in 2007 the the fitzroy falls oh yes can run? we have a minute silence for that race it, it, it no longer exists no longer exists no it was a lovely race but yeah it was one of those old-fashioned type no electronic chip, um, still recording times by hand and, and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, Actually, funny story, the first time I entered that, you still have to send in a little entry form with a cheque oh, really? or a money order in yeah, the mail. Right. There was no internet entry. <laughs> it must be, yeah, that must have been one of the last ones. It last was, one. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's not too many doing that anymore. No. Um, so your first marathon wasn't until you were 30. That's right, yeah. Fitzroy Falls, if you include trail as a marathon, yeah. yeah. Um, 2009, you, you won the Narrabeen All-Nighter, and that was a 100k race? Yeah, yeah. so a little tack on to the 12-hour they used to do for 100k, and I just wanted to do it for you know, curiosity's sake. 
Um, I haven't done a, a major ultra. I think I may have attempted Canberra 50k. I think I did that once before, but that was um, my first 100k and ran 8.07 there. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty sharp time. So you knew, yeah. I guess from that, you knew you could run pretty fast for a long, for, for a long period. Well, I knew I could suffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a, a great time out there. It was, it, I learned a lot, of, as you do in your, in your ultra running journey, but... I knew that I could grip my teeth and, and do it, and I knew, importantly, that I could get, I could do better in it. So that's, I think, how I got the ultra running bug. Yeah. So your um, your result from that race, winning that race, got you um, a representation for Australia in the Commonwealth Champs mm. for the 100k road race, mm. and you finished ninth ninth with a time of seven hours 31 how was yeah. that experience it was great you know it was my first outing in in australia um international um uh, team you know there was legends on the team that i used to look well i still look up to um martin like there were, this this uh championship also had a 24 hour so i'd heard of you know martin fryer and joe blake and guys like that and they were on the 24 hour team so it was amazing watching them and in my 100k team I had Jackie Fairweather you know um, recently or a couple of years ago passed away but you know brilliant athlete and I used to watch her running around in the triathlon scene when I was a kid and suddenly she was on my 100k team it was amazing um, also had like um, Tim Cochran who was like a gun ultra runner back back in those days before his career kind of got got the better of him and but he still goes around okay these days um, but yeah, so I had all these guys that I looked up to, and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah. So that was also um, a very good time, but your PB for 100-kilometre road, was you actually said that at Spain in the World Champs, uh, and the time was 6 hours 44. Yeah. So if we break that down, that 100-kilometre road race, your kilometre split is what time? I think it was 4.03. Three, like average pace, yeah, 403s, yeah. So you're running 403 for 100 kilometres, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, that was that was obviously PB one, and a top 10 as well. That was that was after um, going 11th, 12th and 19th at the three previous world championships. So um, I was always there and about and I knew where I went wrong in each of those previous ones and I knew how I'd improve. Um, so I just got it all right on the day um, but that also came off Comrades as well so I had a really good road ultra running year that was in July and the World Chance were in September so I was pretty much just in road running form that year and at Comrades I actually ran under 4 minute pace for 90k's there so. Are you kidding me? but it's a downhill, downhill. course yeah, yeah. so there's a little bit of loss in it um, but that Spain one yeah, that was great yeah. And it's a funny story because I only really got in the top 10 in the last 20 or oh, 200 metres or so. Oh, right. So, Just yeah. Someone. Well, yeah, I, I passed. Yeah, that was the year Kirsten Bull won the, won the World Championships, Aussie girl from Victoria. So I was lapping her on the, on the, um, on the last, on my last lap. And I really wanted to catch it before the finish. So I put in a pretty hard effort. And in doing so, I also caught the guy that was happened to be in 10th spot, a, oh, Kenyan, wow. a Kenyan guy, uh, sorry, a, a South African guy who had won Comrades like a year before. And so I passed him in the last 200 metres and got into 10th. And then this Swedish guy was finishing like a, a train and he only finished like five metres behind me. 
So I, I just held on for 10th in the end after gaining it like 200 metres earlier. So something, something, something sounds better, like saying you got 10th and oh, yeah. 11th. Oh, you don't know how much that meant to me. If I would have finished 11th again, I would have just been wrecked. But yeah. to get that top 10, because I've been trying for like three years to get that. So, yeah. yeah. Quite, quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So you've got too many uh, achievements to actually list, so I won't list them, but um, what stands out for me is that you've, you've won the uh, UTA 100 twice mm-hmm. um, here in the, in the mountains uh, in 2013 and in 2018 last year. Um, so what, what's amazing is that you've really been at the top of the sport for 10 years now. Yeah. Is, is there a, you know, you're 42, is, mm. there, is there an age limit? Is it in your head what... You, you tell me, you know. Um, well, you just can't keep doing the same thing. I've had to modify my training over the years a lot to, to kind of stay at that level. And the competition has gotten tougher over the years as well. So it's been like a very pleasing thing for me personally to kind of st- not, not so much be the top, but, you know, stay in that top echelon of runners uh, in Australia. That's To me, that's a... Because you could get away with... Uh, in the early days you could get away with pretty I wouldn't say bad training but you could you could take shortcuts and you could still win races but these days you've got to be on your A game to win a race and you've got to train pretty hard so I've, I've learned that you know train smarter over the years not so much harder but there's a little bit of that as well of course but you just got to train smarter and know what works and optimise your training sessions this is a really good segue. So I want to ask you, so myself and, and other people that are training for Six Ford and UTA and some guys I know also doing the UTA 100, what you, you talk about optimising your training, what are some, some key things that you could sort of point out to people or some tips that they could take away that would help them benefit from being, you know, at a certain level like I sort of hinted before like if you were a top 20 runner and want to be a top 10 mm. runner what would you suggest are some some things that could get you to that next level yeah i well I, I think first of all just the umbrella answer is either get a coach or a mentor or have a wise head that's knows you know a lot about the sport to kind of you know get information out of um second of that i think you got to train specifically for the race you're aiming up for and and really think about the the nuances of that race and how you're going to get better at, at, at the little aspects of that are unique to that race so say for six foot etc uh you know trail race with some pretty big climbs in it um you got to really get strong on the hills so you got to do a strength session a week like a running strength session so some kind of hill reps or long hills and you've got to do most of your long runs over that kind of hilly terrain. Um, and then you've got to, like, focus in on the little one percenters. So have sessions that, um, you know, you're running off the hills and, and pushing over the top of hills, you know, and getting into that transition from hilly, hill climbing legs to flat running legs again. Like, the Black Range is just, like, one of those kind of rolling hill sections that a lot of people lose time on. But if you're good at doing those little pinchy hills and then running off them... That's, you know, getting back into your into your into your rhythm quickly, you're going to gain a lot of time there. So um, the other thing too is you can't make your say for six foot, you can't make your training runs all on hard trials. It's got to be on re- reasonably easy trial because that's what six foot is basically. It's a road runner's race. 
So even if you did like your uh, a session on um, a, a long run session on trail, make sure you do a long run session on road as well. So I do a Wednesday long run on road just so I get my road running legs cadence. Um, efficiency down because that's that's crucial for six foot you're doing a lot of that kind of running in it um, and then yeah so adding in um, elements that a lot of people may not think about like vo2 max sessions and um, long tempo runs and stuff like that because that really raises your lactic threshold so every time you push over a little hill you don't need to recover as long as you know as 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 might take otherwise um so all those little one percenters add up yeah some great advice there what about um weekly k's would you say like minimum weekly k's should be a certain amount if you want to say run under four hours for six foot yeah i think four hours is a pretty good you know yardstick in in kind of getting in top 20 kind of 30 kind of area there so you're probably looking at least 100 to 120 k's a week in your peak weeks um, but I think it's more about how you make up those kilometres so if you're very specific about them you can kind of, that's optimising it um, and yeah, you've got to include like um, you know a little bit of speed work there obviously because you can't just do long endurance based sessions you've got to add elements like speed and, and VO2 max and things like that yeah. Would you would you recommend say at least two two sessions a week? Probably, if you're looking to do that kind of time, you you, you really have to like get that extra kind of five percent in performance. I know those kind of sessions don't add a, add a lot, um, you know, into your general time because um, you know if you run 120 k's of um, made up of just easy running and a long run and that kind of thing you're probably going to get four and a half hours at six foot but if you add in a suddenly add in a speed session or or, or two a week that's how you get that last kind of half an hour it's that's that's bring your average pace yeah that's where you get it from it's in your running economy overall so yeah how important is nutrition when you're not training you know your, your daily diet how important is that you know you, you're doing people are doing all this training for six foot they're training well how important is eating well oh it's crucial um yeah one of my one of my bugbears or what i say to my squad a lot is like don't sabotage your training by going out and having a big weekend and putting on a couple of kilos um being lean in running is uh, if you're performance focused you have to be um as dedicated to your diet almost as your training not to the point where you're obsessive about it but you have to be giving it some credence you just can't just let it go and and there's that old kind of adage oh you can eat whatever you want it's not true unfortunately you have to be thinking about what you eat and what you drink and everything has to be taken into account so um you know uh, being lean in running is is you know as important as being fit um and yeah, lots of people let themselves down by carrying an extra five kilos around that they probably don't need. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because if you're a recreational runner and you know performance isn't such a big focus, then it doesn't really matter. But if if you're really looking for a goal, or you know losing a couple of kilos is is just as uh, you know, it gives you more performance gain than you know anything you can get from your training, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Some great advice. So eh? yeah. what? what how do you recommend they do that if they wanted to start tomorrow what what are some tips what are some advice to to keep the kilos down to keep lean 
Yeah, look, I'm not a nutritionist or or a dietitian or anything, so I'd recommend seeing someone with um, the expertise because uh, you obviously need to take in the right, you know, fuel for your training load, and you can't jeopardise your your well-being and your health by scrimping and scraping your diet. But uh, yeah, I think generally just keeping a pretty balanced diet is the way to go, and and just staying clear of the 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 desire for like those simple carbs that runners get, like sugars and stuff like that. Um, not saying you can't treat yourself every now and then, but uh, I think. That that is one area where a lot of uh, runners let themselves down. Is like they, we we all crave carbs, but you, you need to be mindful of how much and, and what what types of carbs you take in. And the other thing I think is portion size. Just really being conscious of you know, f- we have a tendency to overeat. I think in Australia, we're following a bit of a Western trend there. So getting back to like smaller meal sizes and, and just taking your time while you eat as well is just some real common advice. I think. Um, yeah. yeah. No, some really good advice. Yeah. So, if people that if people do have a sweet tooth, which many people do, yeah. and like you're saying, like many people sabotage their weight by having um, having uh, ice creams and chocolates and that sort of thing, would you recommend trying to minimise that to maybe once or twice a week, as opposed to having something sweet each day? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You, you need to take a, a you, you need to give it a bit of dedication, and dedication takes take some sacrifice and yeah it's you sacrifice uh, lots of other things in your life for your running um, so yeah why not why not just include what you eat there as well I'm not saying you have to be like strict about it but uh, unfortunately it's a sport if you carry around any excess weight it's only gonna it's only gonna impact your performance in a negative way yeah, yeah. so it's not only the weight that slows you down but also your body has to work harder to cool itself on hotter days oh absolutely and yeah i mean that's all about running efficiently and running economically and you know heat regulation like you're saying and like especially in trail running races like with elevation gain you know if you're hauling a a kilo or two uphill that you don't really need um if you know um that's only going to be to your disadvantage and and actually, the the main the main uh, tell the impact main the easiest way to improve your say your VO2 max is to lose a kilo, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it's it's a it's a it's it's a formula based on body weight, um, to, to and the less the less oxygen needs to go around to your body to feed the yeah the easier it becomes. So the more body weight you have, it's uh, unfortunately you know it's it's making your muscles and your heart and your lungs work harder so yeah it's just running economy basically and you'll you you see on the best distance runners in the world are all all lean you know um so yeah yeah yeah. absolutely that's that's great advice thank you um so what's uh, what's on your racing calendar this year? You mentioned the race that you've got coming up in in a month, yeah. And then you've got six foot after that. Yep. Um, what's what's your ambitions for six foot? Oh, uh, look, I, I kind of I, I never have any real high ambition. I, I I just love it as a race. I just love the atmosphere. I just love the the feeling of the race, and I love sitting back after the race and having a few beers and watching all the um the feel come in because you see the all sorts of Runners and you see them come in, you know, crawling and limping and cramping and being 
carried over the line. I just love that because it really brings you brings back the yeah. I, I don't get to see that that often, and I love that because it, it brings me back to reality a little bit. And I, and I see guys that I've known for many many years. You know, start, when I started out running, crossing the line still. When the, you know these guys are 50, 60 now, and I just love it. So yeah, I, look, I just treat it as a nice fun day. Look, I I, I, tr- I train hard for it and I race hard. But, you know, there's always some bloody road-running marathon freak that turns up and, and you know, blitzes the field or some ex-Olympian, you know, that just <laughs> let's, comes... Yeah. Let's, let's, stop, let's stop walking around, the uh, tiptoeing around. Well, who, but, who, who are we talking about? Who's your, who are the main rivals? Well, I was in really good shape, like, three years ago, and bloody Tom DeCanto turned up and just killed it, you know. I, funnily enough, I beat him to the river by five minutes, and... Um, and yeah, started the climb up mini mini with Stu Gibson and, and I, and, and then this, just hear this guy behind us and charging up, and he was he was climbing, it just was unbelievable. And he got to the top, and um, he was way out of sight by the time we got to Pluvi. And um, we looked back on the splits afterwards, and his Pluvi time was like eight minutes faster than my, well, sorry, time from the river to the Pluvi was about eight minutes faster. Even though I beat him to the river by about, oh, I think it was three or four minutes, I can't remember. But funnily enough, the split from the top of Pluvi to the finish was about the same. So, yeah, he's, I think he started to suffer a little bit. His road running legs kind of probably took a bit of a beating. Um, but, yeah, so I've had my chances there and I've come second twice and I'm, I'm stoked with that. I don't think I'm ever going to win. So I'm just always there to have a really, you know, strong, hard race and and give it my best shot and you can't really control who, who turns up on the day anyway so I don't tend not to think about it yeah yep excellent what other races you got on this year um so they're the only ones I'm really considering at the moment and UTA 100 as well I've entered um so I'll see how that goes um I'm not committed to it 100% mentally yet but um I think um we'll see um and yeah that's about it there's no world championships this year for road so I'm just gonna do a bit of um trail running I think for the rest of the year I've got a camp over in Chamonix with my mob and then maybe doing another one in Turkey so the ultra trail Cappadocia might might be on um but we'll see yeah Okay, I've got a race for you and yeah. your t- and, and up coaching. So tell me about it. First first weekend in July, uh, it's called the Royal Double Ultra. Fifty k's on Saturday, fifty k's on Sunday. Um, it'd be great if you guys would come along. Yeah, just just down great. in the Sutherland Shire. Yeah. So you can do one or both days. So uh, I think that, I'd do both. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I'll hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else have we got here? So we've actually got a listener question. We've got a couple of listener oh, yeah. questions. So uh, we've got one here from Andrew Opperman, and Andrew said that he likes to listen to music when he's out running, and uh, some of his go-to beats are uh, Wendy Matthews and Boys to Men, <laughs> and he doesn't mind uh, going a bit of Madonna either. Uh, his question is, uh, oh my gosh. his question is, uh, do you listen to music when you run, and do you find it motivating? Well, first of all, Andrew, you disappoint me. After meeting you last year after Six Foot Track and having a few beers with you, you were the, you'd be the last person I thought would uh, be into that kind of uh, music. So um, you got to get out of the 80s, mate. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I do listen to music. Um, actually, yeah, I'm really into um, my Jaybird 
earbuds at the moment. They're wireless, so they're pretty cool. Um, Is that a sponsorship plug? Yeah, uh, no, 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 no. It's not. Um, it's, it's, it's maybe a potential sponsor me <laughs> plea. <laughs> nah, I think you only need one set of those ever. Um, but yeah, I listen to music. It, it's not so much for motivation. It's more so just to. I really like music, and I don't really get to listen to it at home that much so when I'm out running it gives me an opportunity to really absorb in it and yeah I, I, I like the um, yeah I like the structure of music and I'll really get into the yeah I like rock music so rock music is really it hasn't been good rock music in about 15 years I reckon so I'm still I'm still in the 90s a bit with my uh, taste so I can't really knock Andrew too much yeah, um, bit Nirvana Gunners what? yeah no I, yeah Seattle I grew up through the Seattle so yeah more Alice in Chains um, a bit more musically um, musically uh, different yeah Nirvana's alright um, so I listen to yeah, Blind Melon on the way down today I like that kind of rock uh yeah, System of the Down. Um, what else? Uh, yes, some. I, I've got a pretty, pretty diverse taste, I must say. So, yeah, it's, but yeah, I like a bit of rock. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I'll go to the uh, the next listener question, and this is from Paul Spratt. Mm. Paul wants to know how you plan your hydration for a long training run in summer. That was um, well, that's a, a real relevant question, particularly in today's heat. So, oh, yeah. how, how would you answer that question? Um, so yeah, hi- uh, hydrate beforehand as, m- as well as I can, um, and then yeah, just generally think about how long I'm going to be out there, and usually try to carry a, a liter for every kind of hour and a half to two hours. So I've trained my body to be able to you know go long distances now without much water. Um, different for inexperienced runners, I guess they probably need more as their body's still adapting. Uh, you take in the heat and humidity into account as well. Humidity is a big one. I think heat doesn't really bother me so much. It's more humidity because you lose so much more perspiration. You've got to take electrolyte as well on days like that. So, yeah, just usually a camelback or a pack with a couple of bottles. Um, and I'll always try and do a route where I'm kind of cutting back into a, a water supply somewhere. So either a residential area or um, like the six-foot run we did last week I know there's a tank at the river and it had been raining for like a week beforehand so I knew there's going to be water in it Um, and I'm not I don't mind drinking out of creeks and stuff like that as well as long as I know they're pretty good and I know most of the creeks in the mountains on that are near the main trail so I, I fill out of creeks and stuff like that is Cox's River okay to drink out of? One oh. of it was looking pretty brown the other day. One of our mates, uh, the florist, he stopped and got a got a uh, filled up his water bottle, and uh, uh, I wasn't confident. Yeah, I'd stay clear of the Cox's because it it drains from up Lithgow Way, and you go through a lot of farmlands. <laughs> yeah, before you get to um, the lovely pristine uh, part of the six foot track there. But so you might pick up a bit of cow dung or something. It might not be good for you, but there's a, a water tank just on the other side of the Cox's River there, mate, in the camping area. So maybe yeah, just go there next time. There you go. Hot tip for you, <laughs> Hammer. You're still relevant too. Um, okay, while we're on nutrition, nutrition for what, what, what nutrition will you have for six foot? So do you, um, are you just drinking Tailwind or are you, are you having any gels on the way? Yeah, so six foot's an interesting race because it's, it's, 
yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's an ultra, but its, it's uh, aid stations are like a road marathon. And in fact, it's probably better than most road marathons. You have yeah. one nearly every kind of... Well, some sections are ridiculously close together. Um, so, yeah, you don't need to carry a pack or anything like that. I think you're just wasting uh, energy, you know, if you do. Um, some people, back of the packers perhaps. Yeah, I can see the, the reasoning behind them. But, yeah, anyone, you know, up to about you know, midway in the field shouldn't be carrying anything because there's enough out there. So um, I prefer gels in, in races up to about four hours, five hours. Yeah. So I'll just chuck a couple in my back pocket and see an aid station coming. I'll, I'll down one, generally down one um, at the swing bridge just before the river so it kicks in by the time I'm, I'm hitting the climbs on yep. the other side and then I'll have another one at the top of Black, uh, Pluvy yep. so as I start the Black Range and then I'll have another one at Caves Road so yeah generally carry three on me during the race and I'll have one before the race as well gotcha yeah. and uh, in, any drinking tailwind at the aid stations no no just water yeah yeah I, I don't really um, I don't really use tailwind that much um so yeah, don't don't tend to go for that. I'll have a coke or something if I need a bit of a pick me up, yep. especially like along the Black Range there and starting to fade a bit. Yeah, coke can be good. Yeah. So how many k's into the race would you have a coke? Uh, so tend to try to leave it late in the race, and generally just when you need that extra kick home. So I love to have a Red Bull in a race as well. Like towards the end, I'll I'll drink. I think that's actually what red bulls are meant for you know that last kind of 20 k's in an ultra yeah they're not meant to be drunk like fat truckies driving along the road or anything like that it's 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 meant for that kind of sport it just gives you that big hit and gives that good caffeine and sugar rush uh, calorie hit but um yeah if you have it too early then you get in that whole high and high and low kind of um routine it's not good so sorry to pressure, but are we talking 30Ks? Are we talking 35? So for a Coke? For Coke or Red Bull? Yeah, so anything like that, simple sugars, I, I try to leave it late. So, yeah, probably up on the Black Range if I have it. Is that 30? Yeah, I might have one at the top of Pluvi, I think, for the, 26. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, 26Ks. Yeah, and then I might have another one a bit further on and a bit further on again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about for breakfast? What are you having for breakfast for six foot? Um, I, I don't think it's it's crucial you have a big brekkie. Uh, more so the night night before, have a few extra carbs, and the day before, um, and then in the morning, I think you want to have a, a light brekkie. Just have something in your stomach, but nothing too heavy. Piece so, of toast. Yeah. Maybe a small bowl of porridge. Um, um, you know some. Of complex carbs is good, so yeah, porridge or toast or something, and a bit of, um, simple, simple sugars or honey or something like jam as well, just to get that blood sugar up. And yeah, an up and go, perhaps. Yeah, that's pre- pretty, uh, pretty good fuel. I've never used it myself, but I can see why it would work. Yep. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is have like bacon and eggs or you know, something big heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about um, so that's. If you get if someone's doing a 50k, say UTA 50k, and um, they're not running at sort of your times, you you might have somebody out there doing six seven hours. Um, should they be eating some solids? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's a it's a good question. I think at the front of the pack, um, a you, you you don't really want to um, stop and have to sort out anything too complicated. Aid stations, so gels and things like that, are, you can get away with. 
but yeah, people that are running a little bit more like relaxed and have a bit more time to spend at aid stations, and I think yeah, they, they can go solids as long as it's not too um, complicated. Um, yeah, um, you don't want to. You, you don't. You don't want to say. Yeah, they're the only ones that should be eating solids, but it's almost like they can be the only ones that can eat solids because at the front of the pack, your stomach kind of turns off a bit and you can't digest that kind of food. So it's all take all your calories are taken in through liquids mostly, or really simple forms like gels. Because if you chucked in something like a um, a bowl of noodles or something, it, it wouldn't work. Your stomach would just reject it. Yeah. So when we're talking about solids, I, I sort of think about uh, cliff bars or, oh, right. or muesli bars and yeah. things like that. What, what sort of solids do you think about, like for uh, for people that, that weekend warriors doing uh, a 50k race? Say. Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually eat eat that kind of. I eat bars as well during an ultra, but. Probably more like if I'm running a hundred k, where things are a little bit, you know, more uh, less intense. I guess um, if I'm running like closer to threshold, like pretty much I am for six foot most of the way. It wouldn't say I'm I'm going you know, full steam, but it's it's probably too much to eat eat bars. I'd say um, liquids, but in UT hundred, I definitely ate bars. Um, little bars. Baby food is a is a good compromise because it's kind of halfway between a solid and a liquid. Yeah. Your body uh, can really take that in quite easily, and you're still getting like the nutrients and um, of of a solid food. So muesli bars would be the easiest thing to sort of carry with you and eat. Yeah. Do, you, do you think for like to get the solid food to get the energy? If you're doing if you're out there for six seven hours, and even those people that are doing the hundred k's, what would you recommend anything other than baby food and or muesli bars yeah i mean if you're out there for like overnight and you might want to factor in some hot food um some simple hot food like you know noodles um some rice um that kind of stuff something that's easily digestible um so no like steak and three veg or anything like that but obviously uh yeah if you if you're not kind of moving like a lot of people aren't going that fast towards the end of 100 like they're generally walking a lot of the time um yeah solid foods that will sustain you um but yeah for uh yeah kind of mid-pack kind of runner uh you can have like a primary fuel like rice or something like that and and get away with it um and then secondary fuels maybe gels or yeah, I think the main thing there's no there's no right right or wrong. I guess there's some wrong foods, but you've got to get out and train with it and find out what works for you. And unless you do that, then you'll never really know what works for you. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And what about um what's a what's a, a good breakfast you'd recommend for someone that's going to go out and do a hundred k's? I think you need to have like a pretty decent brekkie, so you need to get up like three hours before and and really give it time to to you know digest and um, get into your bloodstream. So I have always a, like a pretty big bowl of porridge, it's a low GI carbohydrate, something that's going to release into your you know as a fuel steadily and and just gives you a really good start. You know you're not you're not depleting your your stored glycogen. You know from the get go, you kind of got a bit of something in the tank that's going to kind of 
um, sustain you for the first half of the day at least, and then your your race fuel kind of kicks in, um, and then you got to you know the challenge is keeping it in, trying to get as much in as you can, and, and really staying on top of it, and not going out too intensely as well. So you burn through you you can't burn through all your stored glycogen, otherwise your fat reserves won't really um, work properly. So. Yeah, it's a real it's a real nuanced type of thing, nutrition, and you only really master it with the experiences. I think yeah. you, you got to go through some bad and some good experience to realise what works. Yeah. Okay, that's all. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. So, what about um, for those people that want to go out and do a PB at Park Run? Would you recommend having a, a gel before going out? Yeah, um, I think so. Um, Park runs generally, yeah, a morning event. It's a morning event, so again, I'd wait for breakfast afterwards. You could either even do park run on an empty stomach. I think it's not no imperative. You have anything in your stomach, I think, but I always like to have something. And yeah, if I was going to go for a PB at park run, I'd definitely have a gel beforehand and caffeine as well. I'd want to be like buzzing at that start line. Yeah. Are you, are you just having a strong coffee or do you take caffeine tablets? Oh, I take a caffeine gel, like a double espresso gel or something like that. Yeah, something's going to give me a big kick along. Yeah. Um, okay, change the subject yeah. a little bit. Are you still on the um, Ultra Trail World Tour? Uh, not so much. I like to be a bit more master of my own domain now. I, I, I kind of was on the tour for a couple of years in 2016, 2017, no, 2000. 15 and 2016 were my main two years and um, yeah so 2017 I raced way too many and I burnt myself out a little bit I did uh, Trans Grand Canaria Western States, Ultra Trail Australia, Ultra Trail Mount Fuji uh, I think I even may have done one at the end of the year too and I was just done by the end of it I was like nah, because you had to do like three or four races I think to stay on the tour and get the support from the tour so after that I just went no, it's not worth it, I'd rather pay my own way and, and be a master of my own domain, look after myself a little bit better and get to choose which races I do too rather than just the ones that I got support for so I've become a little bit more cagey about things as well, I'm able to get um, other sponsors to help me along the way as well so I've got a great uh, contact in Japan through Innovate um, the Innovate distributor they, they kind of have me over for Ultra Trail Mount Fuji um, and then you know um, just doing a bit of other kind of stuff gets you places if you're willing to put the work in yeah yeah, so some of your other sponsors, you've been with Hammy Nutrition for a long time yeah. now. How long have you been with them? Oh, look, since uh, 2013, I think. They've been great, yeah. yeah. So, Anyone else? Uh, well, main main ones are Innovate and, and Hammer and you know, Sock Sponsor, LeBent. Uh, just, yes, yeah, so, uh, just hooked up with an, um, a clothing apparel uh, company, Aussie Grit Apparel, Mark Webber's uh, company. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, trying out their range of clothing. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a few other little ones. Uh, uh, A-Up, um, great, great headlamps and um, great for going through the night with in long ultras. Um, what else? Uh, yeah. Have you thought about a beer sponsor? A beer sponsor? I have, you know, I actually... I'd trade happily trade in all my other sponsors for a beer sponsor because I'd get far more value out of a beer sponsor. Um, 
but also that could be a, a double-edged sword. Um, it might just be um, a case of ultra-running career over if I got a beer sponsorship. So, I mean, I'd, I'd race for beer, but I don't think I'd want to be sponsored by a beer company. Um, so if, there was a, if there's a race out there that gives, like, a, you know, a, a month's supply or something, I'd happily go in that. But yeah. I heard the um, the Royal Double Ultra has a uh, yeah has a case of filter for the winner. I'm already in the. I'm already signed up then. Yeah, yeah. I'm there. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, look, you mentioned uh, Western States before. Yeah. Um, you did you did Western States for the first time in 2014 and did very well. You you got a top 10 finish. Uh, and then you did it again in 2015. Mm. Tell us about, and 2015 wasn't a good experience. Can you tell us about your 2014 race and your 2015 race? Yeah, I was very naive, actually, in the 2014 race. I had no idea about the course. Um, I knew it was a hot course. I, I did a lot of heat training. If anything, I, I kind of was overcautious in my training. I, I even did, like, um, elevation uh, uh, altitude training in a chamber I kind of ticked all those little one percenters my mileage was way up I was still working full time as a teacher but I was commuting like by running each day well at least two or three days a week from like where I lived to, to Glenbrook and then I used to leave my car and drive to work and then yeah so I, I was doing some really good training and yeah got over there did a bit of like course wrecking the two weeks before and then just had a really good race because I wasn't trying to race I was just like this is a great opportunity to be in one of the most prestigious races on earth and I'm going to full, fully respect it and actually we had a, a great race I finished eighth um, but you know fourth to eighth there was only uh, I think there was only um, yeah, I think it was 16 or 20 minutes between a fourth spot and eighth spot so and I was duking it out all day with a couple of those guys like Ryan Sands and a few others um, so I finished under 16 hours there, which I believe I'm still in the top 25 all, all time. Wow. Yeah, so that's a, that was like a significant result, and I still rate that as one of my best races ever. Wow. Um, so, yeah, got an invite back the next year, um, as top 10s do. So I didn't have to go through the lottery and went back, and I, and I just got too cocky, as you do. You, you get second-year kind of cockiness and... Oh, I came eighth last year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a bit of a tilt this year and be a bit more risk taking in my approach. And I didn't tick all the little one percenters in training either. So I, I kind of neglected the altitude training. Didn't do as much heat training. And I really suffered out there pretty much from the beginning. Like the first climb, I didn't run all the way up. And I, the year before, I did. And I was like, oh, this is not going the way it did last year. And I thought. I thought it was my fitness, but it wasn't my fitness because all my PBs in my other distances back home were, were better. It was actually like the altitude training I hadn't done and because uh, it starts a, it starts high and then you drop down. And so I was really like under the pump after the first kind of 10K or something. And it took me ages to recover until I kind of dropped down in the altitude and um, started to come back into the race. But of course, when you fall so far behind where you think you should be, you start playing catch up. And so I just pushed too hard through that middle section from about 100k to about 120k. I just, I just pushed it way too hard. And of course, that's in the hottest time of the day as well. And I just went into like that whole high core body temp, um, heat exhaustion, could not take any nutrition on. 
Um, so I was bonking like nutrition wise as well, just losing my energy, low blood sugar. Um, and I got to Rucky Chucky, the river crossing, and I was I was spent. I was gone. I spent like an hour and a half in the medical tent, just lying down, and I could not move. I was I was you know one foot in the grave basically. Yeah, I was so so bad, um, nearly incoherent and pale and just wasted because um, I'd pushed so hard. I was actually in eleven spot at that stage, so I'd clawed my way well back into the race, but. I was chasing that top 10 spot too hard. And once I got going again, I just basically walked and shuffled and still finished under, I think it, I think I got 24th or something in the end. But yeah, 90 minutes in the medical tent and only was the guy, the race, uh, the checkpoint coordinator who came around with the pair of scissors who was gonna cut my, um, my race number off that I actually went, no, I'm not gonna DNF this. This, this race is too, too prestigious to DNF at. So I just got up and, and just got going. But, yeah, the race was over, in a competitive sense anyway. What time did you end up with? I think that was um, 21 and a half hours. So, yeah, a good five hours slower than the year before kind of thing. Most people would be really happy with that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing, you know. You, you, you kind of look back and go, well, that's not actually such a bad result, but... Uh, from where I was and what I wanted to do, it was nowhere near what I yeah was I what I wanted yeah. yeah. Tell us about uh, your up coaching business. When when did it start? Um, how's it going? Is it is it growing? How many staff have you got working for you? How many clients have you got? Yeah, it's really it's really um, yeah it's a really good good little business I got going. Um, it's really great to be that part of people's running journey. So I just love being involved. And I've got a really good local squad, so based in the Lower Mounds and Penrith. So we have, um, you know, three or four squad sessions a week. Um, and also do like a, a, a free little event for the Blue Mountains Running Company on a Wednesday that anyone's invited to. So, And we're kind of hooked into the park run scene as well. Um, so yeah, do like track and um, road tempos and stuff like that during the week, and yeah. So I've got anything ranging from thirty to kind of fifty people coming to sessions, and um, you know, they spread across maybe two or three in the day. So I do one in the morning and then a couple in the afternoon, sometimes more um, on Tuesday and Thursday, my main workout or session days. And then long runs as well um, on, the, on the weekend. Uh, got like four or five local coaches that kind of work casually for me. Just take, taking those sessions um, if I'm not there or um, just helping me out generally. But we also have that online coaching component as well. So um, people from all around New South Wales, Australia can uh, receive the same kind of guidance. Um, and got... Uh, like probably four or five coaches in other locations around Australia that have like a small load of people that um, you know are, are being coached um, in their area I guess what, yeah. so what are that just so the listeners know what other areas yeah. are their coaches so I've got Kelly Emerson in Melbourne she actually has her own squad down there as well she, she does regular training sessions uh, once a week with the squad and she also takes on some online uh, people, so I tend to like match people with their location 
because generally the coach will know that kind of training area best and the races as well, a lot more insight. I've got Jonathan Warswick, um, a really good Masters runner. You know, he's done just about everything there is in ultra running. He, uh, based in Sydney, um, and then I've got Jody Oborn, who's Australian rep in 24-hour running, 100k running in Brisbane. Um, I've got Dave Kennedy, who's a Australian rep over 24-hour running in uh, Perth, and um, who else? Wes Gibson in Bathurst. He's got his own squad there as well. It's a good little, um, good little outfit he's got there. And I'm probably forgetting about Mick Kite in South Australia. He's got a few, yeah, he's only got a small load, but he's happy with that. And there's quite a few South Australian clients that under, under Mick. And I think that's about it. Yeah. It's pretty big. You've yeah, ex- it's you've ex- sound, it sounds ex- big. You've expanded yeah. uh, quite, quite a lot in the last, say, five years, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it does sound big, but. It's not that hard to manage. Well, no, that's a lie. It is hard to manage, but they kind of manage themselves a lot in a way. Um, I forgot about Stefan Mullen as well. He's my coach out in the Hills District. Um, and, yeah, so I've got, like, three, uh, what was that, four other squads around that do run training sessions. But all those coaches that manage, like the, that manage those squads, they do all the logistics, the ground hiring and all that themselves. Yeah. I really don't have much to do with it. I, I like to oversee to oversee the, the the athletes' development more. So I've got my own coaching load as well, uh, but that's only like a, that's a very minimal amount because I don't want to overload myself. I, and then I like to you know, talk to the other coaches and keep track of their, their athletes as well, yeah. and and yeah, that kind of thing. How many how many um, athletes are you managing personally? Coaching probably about fifteen yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah, and they tend to be longer term ones and the ones that are a bit more high performance focused um, just because I find they're a little, not easier but then I'm the coach that can probably add that element out of all my coaches Um, yeah so um, yeah and all the coaches have their own strengths and weaknesses you know so we tend to line up um, the athlete with the coach that can serve them best. And sometimes it might be like Dave Kennedy in Perth coaching someone in Sydney, like just because I really rate him as a 24-hour coach. Uh, or it could be like a, a Masters or uh, an older type runner in, in WA or, or Victoria coached by Jonathan Walswick here because Jono's, you know, he's a Masters athlete and he knows how to how to uh, train someone, you know, in those older ages. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like matching the person to the athlete, the coach to the athlete a bit. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if any of the listeners want to um, engage your services, best place to go would be Upcoaching website? Yeah, just look us up um, on the web, upcoaching.com.au and look at the coaches and their profiles and what their strengths are and see which one you feel like might be the best match because yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the head coach so I'll make the decision for you if you want but um, I'd like you to have some input there as well um, and yeah just, just have a look you don't necessarily have to attend any sessions. You can actually do just an online program? Yeah, so absolutely. I've only got sessions in, like, yeah, the hills and blue mountains in Sydney anyhow, so most of the Sydney-based athletes are online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Um, while we're talking about training, what's your favourite training session? Is it is it still the hour of power? Uh, yeah, that, that is a good one because it just gives me so much feedback about where I'm at in my uh, fitness and um, it's, you know, a really hard session to get through and if you do it well, you just know you're on your near peak fitness and... And, um, but yeah, I mean, I like long runs as well. They're, nothing beats a good long run out in the bush. Um, but the three-hour power is just one of those ones that I just can use as a yardstick every time. So if it's early in my training phase and I'm struggling through it, it's to be kind of to be expected because it's a really hard session. But, can, can you explain what the session is? Oh, so it's three minutes at like VO2 intensity. So you really have to hit that narrow kind of pace range. So it's really one that you can only do on a road um, or at the track. So, yeah, you've got to really um, dial in and have that pace. Um, and, yeah, if you kind of – you do three minutes and then one minute just a slow jog and go again – and if you get to like five and you're already cooked, then you just call it. You just yeah. call it quits. And yeah. So could it be a good starting point for for mid packers maybe doing half an hour of power? Yeah, definitely. Like kilometre repeats, it's basically like um, or eight hundred metre repeats. It's kind of like it's a real good strong session. And I think VO two max sessions are something that add that extra element to your training and can really make the difference in your performance and they're hard and uh, you know of course not many people do them because of that they're really hard to 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 motivate yourself to do for a start and then to get to the point where they're actually comfortable always takes about a month of uh, you know going through that whole process of trying and and not going not going to plan yeah so they hurt yeah yeah that's yeah. oh, good work out your base and you know measure your performance yeah that's right and you you, you can't do them all year round either i mean you, maybe track runners can but because they're not doing as much other volume in their training but an ultra runner only needs to add that in that last kind of phase in the quality phase yeah yeah okay and um what about some events in Sydney? Do you would you recommend anyone to check out any sort of running series or trail series? Or? Yeah, look, I think uh, if you're just getting into trail running, check out Running Wild up in the mountains. They put on like a short course series in the mountains, three ten to twenty five kilometres in distance, and they've also got like a shorter option. A lot of those, so. They're good, trail running events, and then they've got a longer series as well. So one coming up is the Knapsack Lap Race, which is a great event. I love it. It's like on a 5K loop in Glenbrook. It's going to be bloody hot and humid, but I'm going to do it because it's good training for Hong Kong. So I'm doing the three-hour solo there this year. I've done the pairs um, the last kind of three, three years. So you can do like a relay with a pair, like 5K on, 5K off, or you can do it as a team of three or four. So it's really social and, you know, you get all your running clubs there and um, it's really kind of um, a nice day out. Yeah. We did it with some friends a few years back. Is, is the event growing? Is it getting bigger? Yeah, it was really massive the last couple of years. Um, I think because there's not that many team events around, people like that element, you know, not having to run three hours or six hours but you can just share the load you know makes things easier and you get that team element which is good um and plus it's you know it's really hot so it's not the most comfortable race to do three hours or six hours i've done the six hour there it's it's brutal Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um okay so 
Um, getting close to, to wrapping up. I've actually um, I've got a, a friend of mine. I might have mentioned it to you earlier that he did uh, Strava Matt did the Narrabeen all nighter just recently oh, yeah. about um, two weeks ago, yeah. and uh, and and it's it's changed because when you did it, it was a hundred k. You do a fifty k or a hundred k, and so now it was go for twelve hours and and see how many k's you can tick over, and. Um, so he, his goal was to actually surpass 100. I think the record for his age group was 130 k's. Anyway, Crikey. yeah, so he, um, he didn't stick to his race plan and yeah. uh, he got to 52 and, and 52 k's and stopped. Anyway, um, I, I caught up with him a day or two later and I've got a, um, a short little interview with him uh, just talking about or debriefing the, the event yeah. with him. So, so after we wrap up, I'm just going to leave a little five-minute debrief with Strava <laughs> Matt from, uh, from his race two weeks ago. Yeah, I bet uh, he learnt a lot, eh? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, yeah. you learn something from every race. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so where um, where can we where can our listeners find you? We mentioned up coaching website. What about if they want to follow you on socials? Um, so yeah, look, I have a blog. It's not. I don't really update it that often. I think one race report a year if I'm if I'm lucky. Um, so yeah, just my website. Um, um, brendandavies.com.au and that's got links to all my social but I'm on Instagram and it's just my name yep. yeah generally find me and Strava like is probably the the runner's uh, Instagram isn't it it's more I, I put everything up there so if you want to check out my training I wouldn't necessarily say copy it because that could be to your own demise yeah. but by all means take uh, bits and pieces out of it um, yeah, generally my structure of my week stays pretty similar and you might get some trends and patterns out of my, my own training. Yeah. I'm sure people would just like to follow your progress and see how you go in races as well. Yeah, yeah, it's all there. And, um, yeah, just uh, I don't really um, update my blog too often, but there's some race reports there from the early days where I used to be a bit more prolific. So if you ever want to check out, like, an old race report of mine from Western States or Six Foot and, or Ultra Trail Australia, some there, yeah. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to have a, a little competition for our listeners. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're seven weeks out from six foot. Yeah. And uh, so it's a guessing competition. I've got, I've got this thing for guessing competition. I don't know why. I guess it's easy. Yeah. But um, so the guessing competition is for our listeners to estimate what time you'll run for six foot track. Okay. And so we want them to post what time they think you'll do on our facebook page okay. running matters podcast okay. and the person that gets the closest and obviously will reveal the results um okay. after the event uh we'll give them a, a box of goo gels so oh, um, nice one, so yeah. that's the competition you could add a little uh, add on to that and go and what would be the time that i have my first beer as well <laughs> and maybe give them a case of this wonderful beer that you've, you've put in front of me and it's just like tempting me here but yeah, look, I, I love Six Foot. It's one of those events where I always like, look forward to the finish afterwards more than the actual race. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and, and a few beers after the event. Oh, it's, it's a great good. atmosphere, isn't it? Just don't buy them from the hotel. They're a rip-off, so bring your own, all right? Just There's a tip for you. And get your, get your, um, get your significant other to bring a, a cooler down. Yeah, yeah. classic. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great tip. Very good. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. There's some really good advice on this on this podcast. And um, if any of the listeners uh, do enjoy our podcast and, and this program, they can subscribe to it and uh, certainly follow us. That would be great. Uh, my name's Matt North. You've been listening to Running Matters Podcast. And uh, I'll see you on the trails. Brendan, thanks very much. Thanks, Matt. And looking forward to seeing what you do at six foot two, mate. <laughs> thanks, mate. See ya. See ya. Matt, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we're down at sunny Gerringong. Uh It's been 48 hours since your event. What went wrong? I'm coming to terms with the fact that I hit a wall. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it threw up something I'm still struggling with. Like I'd, I'd, I'd run hilly 38 with yourself and uh, come ran the whole way and finished strong and what have you but it was it was only 40k into this um what i was hoping to be a much bigger event for me that uh, i started falling apart and i i know i didn't stick to my race strategy but um more, more on that but um I, I, I hit 40 and then the next 5k i did a, a run walk lap and then the last lap I did a, a, a walking lap where I was being overtaken by all sorts of people that I didn't expect to be overtaken by lovely ladies and uh, yeah, uh, Bob Fickle even, uh, who I tried to run and keep up with and, and couldn't. So um, I, was, I was just in shock and awe. Okay, so wheels wheels started to come off at 30, slowed right down by 40, walking by 40, 45k. Yes. Just, does that sound accurate? Yes, yes. Yep. Okay, what have we learned from this? Tell us uh, two things you do differently. I, I would have stuck. I, I had a strategy going into it where I was going to run 30, uh, uh, three minutes on and 25 seconds off. And I just went and ran 30k instead of sticking I just felt good I just went and ran 30k feeling fantastic and of course by the time I realized what I was doing it was all too late and I couldn't come back walking 5k I was hopeful of bringing something back on and it didn't happen so strategy sticking to your strategy and um That, 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 that's all. Uh, it was strategy. I just let a stra- the strategy go out the door and uh, it was what, one, of, one, one of the things, uh, you said that uh, your, your sort of right leg was seizing up, your knee was really sore, and that was one of the main reasons that you stopped running. Um, yeah. And what surprised me is you didn't take any Nurofen. I would have... Um, I would have been taking some Nurofen to try and, you know, relax the muscles, that sort of thing. Is that something you might, you, you'd try next time? Well, now that you've told me, I would certainly put it in the toolkit. That was one of your first prescriptions to my problem once I told you what had happened. And it had happened to you before, uh, but you felt you'd let me go through it for myself first and tell me after that I, I should take Nurofen with me next time. That's the sort of guy I am. I like people learning the hard way. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you've done that. So, what's what's the goal now? Are you are you keen to get back there and and do better next year? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would. Um, the, it, it's 
Yeah, I would. I'd like to. It's one. Of, it's a, a mystery to me now, and I'd like to go back and unravel it and um, find that. I, I want that. I, I want that hundred. I, I feel like I should have been able to do a hundred, and people would have done a hundred that started out a lot steadier and slower than me, and they would have achieved that hundred. Um, but I wrecked myself. Uh, and and I couldn't recover from it. And and maybe if I did another lap of walking, I could have. But it, it was miserable doing that uh, that lap, that that 5k walk. Uh, it, I, I feel like it destroyed me more because I was struggling to keep up with these lovely ladies who um, I was passing when I was running, of course. But um, but it was such a, a steep spiral down. It's incredible. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that spiral. Um, hopefully, uh, you could. Would, would you be happy with any sort of 100k run that you could fit in during the year, or do you do you think you'll save yourself for the event next year? Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't commit to anything <laughs> that's not a year away right now. <laughs> don't want to think. Don't want to think in that detail. And the reason that I ask is, uh, Hattie was saying in the in the uh, interview that. Um, He's doing 100k down in Victoria. I think it's called the Surf Coast. It's 100k down there in September. Mm-hmm. So maybe keep that in the back of your mind. It could be something that interests you. Yeah, and I tell you what, it's, it's we are amongst a fine group of athletes that not be, that just consider doing these things, these 100k events, and uh, so supportive afterwards too. I've had I had ridiculous numbers uh, in in your guessing competition that uh, people put out there, but. Having not achieved that, I've had really supportive words after that. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of what happens. Not all supportive. Yeah, Mr. Havefield, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you did a great job. And, you know, we don't have to use the word embarrassing. You shouldn't be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I should know myself without being told. <laughs> that's all right. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. All right, very good. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll, uh, we'll see you out in the trails.